Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. A wrestle-free show tonight here on Joe and Amber. I feel certain of it. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh here with you. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well. At Amber W Sports, the World Baseball Classic interests me a heck of a lot more than wrestling, even if the history isn't nearly as deep, Joe. You were at the very first ever WBC. It has certainly grown since that time in 2006. And I tied one on that day, let me tell you. The start of that day was a doubleheader at Petco Park, 2006, San Diego. First game was in the morning, Cuba versus the Dominican Republic. Then there's a nice big gap where you can go out and enjoy downtown San Diego, the famed gas lamp district. And then in the evening, it was, I believe, Japan and South Korea. And the you believe fan, because you didn't make it back to the ballpark, I assume. I made it back. I made it back. Oh, I just made it back it in a slightly different mindset than mm. I was earlier in the day. But mm. I will say the fan bases were incredible. They do not consume baseball the way we consume baseball, which is sitting on our rear ends, having a hot dog, looking at our phone, checking out what's happening on the field every now and again. Standing, cheering, drums. I don't know how they got these drums into the stadium, but they got them in and they were banging on them the entire day. And I'm talking both games. It was a phenomenal atmosphere, which is exactly what we're expecting tonight. So you're allowed to. Part of the World Baseball Classic is that they encourage that kind of behavior because they have discovered baseball is enjoyable if you know you let people have fun crazy thought baseball and so with the WBC they actually allow people to bring instruments into the ballpark they're doing it at Lone Depot Park in Miami as well you can bring in darn near anything there's people bringing in flutes and drums and all sorts of things because it is a party down there for every single game. No exception tonight as right now Team USA and Team Japan just walked out onto the ball field. They are about to get things going here in the World Baseball Classic Final. Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. I'm sure Lone Depot is sold out tonight. The crowds have been absolutely raucous for this thing. The players have been obviously loving playing in this thing. And Japan gets here off of a really exciting game where they end up winning one on a walk-off against Mexico, end up defeating Mexico 6-5 to five on a walk-off double off the World Baseball Classic sign in left center. And so they take on Team USA. That means in this thing, you get Shohei Otani and you get Mike Trout playing in quite literally the biggest game of their entire careers. Because I don't know if we're ever going to see those guys in a World Series here, Joe. This might be the most electric atmosphere that we see those guys play in. My man, Tyler Foldrum, who I work with on Daily Wager, was telling me that this could be the most viewed baseball game ever. Ever. Like, from a worldwide standpoint, this could be the most viewed baseball game ever. And for good reason. Look at the fan bases. Look at the the excitement that this has been generating. You have an over-under in this game of 10. 10. Average baseball game sits around maybe 7. In the playoffs, it drops to 6.5 or so because of the pitching. 10. Why? Why? Two 
absolutely stacked lineups that have been producing a ton of runs throughout the course of the tournament. The Americans are going to turn to Merrill Kelly tonight, which is interesting because Kelly throughout his career has been average to below average at best. But for some reason, I think his name's Brad Strum was the uh, pitching coach in Houston. He left Houston last year and went over to Arizona and he kind of revamped the Diamondbacks pitching staff. And Kelly was one of several starters and relievers on that team that experienced a, a, a step forward in terms of their production. So he's going to go tonight for the Americans, not Darvish, not Otani going tonight. For the Japanese, they're going to turn to Shota Imanaga. If I knew anything, had some stats, I'd give them to you. I'm not familiar with his career, but he's supposed to be a very solid pitcher. And tonight we should have one hell of a matchup. Americans favored, minus 145. I'd be careful with that. One, because of Kelly on the mound. And two, remember, these are American sports books with American customers. They know where the American money is going. They can inflate those lines a little bit. What's so interesting is there's so many storylines here. Now, this matchup comes with Japan having won the first two World Baseball Classics. Team USA now trying to repeat as champs from the last WBC. And you also have the Mike Trout, Shohei Otani storyline. Shohei Otani, of course, the biggest baseball star in the entire world, Joe. 50% from what is being reported. 50%. Half of the televisions in Japan watched the World Baseball Classic game with Japan against Mexico when they won on that walk-off. Like that, like half of the population of Japan, from what I read, which if that's true, that's insane for any sporting event. If you think that you can have half the televisions in the country, half the people buying in, I would imagine if that's true for that game, it might even be bigger for this one. And so, yes, the ratings for this thing, maybe not within our own country, but the ratings for this thing worldwide are going to be absolutely monstrous. Well, think about it. I mean, you, a lot of con- <laughs> what we have here in America from a sports perspective is very different than what a lot of other countries have. We, we trot out everything, everything. Soccer, which is widely regarded as the planet sport. That is like the 15th highest rated sport in this country after college football, football, and everything else. We have hockey, we have basketball, we have college hoops, we have every collegiate sport known to man. We have high lie, horse racing. We have everything. We're trying to build up lacrosse and rugby in this country. You go over to Japan or some of these other countries, it's not to say that they don't have a variety of athletic sporting events, but baseball is prominent. It's at the forefront in that country. So, of course, an opportunity on the global stage, something we look at and, you know, uh, the World Baseball Classic, that's a cute little thing. Not really. Around the rest of the world, they take it very, very seriously. They love their baseball, and they love the fact that their countries are deep into this tournament. Big-time matchup tonight, and it should be a good one. Again, with an over-under 10, it is priced for runs, which always makes it more fun. I don't think I have ever, in all my years now of doing ESPN radio and back even stemming before that in my sports radio career, I don't know if I've ever had a baseball show on while I'm doing it. To be honest with you, a baseball game on while I'm doing it. Because baseball is my sport. Like, I'm just not... I talk about baseball to the extent that my job requires it, right? Like I'm not a big baseball fan. Otherwise I've got this thing on. No one's telling me to have this thing on. I've got this thing on throughout Joe and Amber tonight, because I think it is just such a fun, cool thing. And so I'm really excited to see these two teams match up. I'm really excited to see this atmosphere and see those players get to play on that stage. And I feel good for Shohei Otani and Mike Trout to be, frankly, in that situation that both of those guys should be in for every single game, basically. But 
we'll see uh, if they get there in a postseason. Uh, the Angels ever look a little bit I, I, I wouldn't bet do. on that. The yeah. Angels have no idea what the hell they're yeah, doing. Yeah, they clearly have. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. It's like, if only those two guys played on a team here together, you know, like that'd be crazy. Yeah. Could you imagine? World Series. Can you imagine those two guys? And then here they are. Uh, coming up here on Joe and Amber, Mel Kuyper put out his latest mock draft today. So we've got to get to that. How many quarterbacks does he have coming off the board in the top five picks? We'll let you know. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. A lot has happened, Joe, since Mel Kuyper came out with his first mock draft. First of all, the NFL Combine happened, so there's that. That always helps Mel in terms of determining where some of these guys might go. But also, a big trade, because the Bears were sitting in that number one spot his last couple mocks. We know, of course, that they traded out of that number one spot to the Carolina Panthers. So now he comes out with his mock draft 3.0. And there's some interesting things to note, most notably the quarterbacks. The Carolina Panthers, he has choosing C.J. Stroud with the number one selection out of Ohio State. So here's what's interesting about this. Kuiper releases this this mock. He has Stroud going one, and Mm -hmm. Stroud's price in Vegas as to whether or not he's going to go one immediately drops. It doesn't go up. It drops. Hmm. He was as high as minus 350 to be the first overall pick. He's now down to minus 150. So between that comment, which apparently had no nothing resonating in the market, we saw Adam Schefter say last week that he thinks Carolina traded up um, kind of like a Niners Trey Lance situation where they traded up wanting Mac Jones, went through the process, and then changed their mind. Apparently that's what happened there. He is suggesting that that could happen here. Todd McShay saying he's hearing it's Bryce Young, the Carolina. So I don't know what to make of it. I still think it's Stroud. I think between now and the draft, which I believe is 37 days away, we heard it's going to be Stroud two weeks ago. 
We're hearing it's going to be Bryce Young now. Anthony Richardson's probably up next week. And then in two weeks, we'll start hearing the Will Levis rumors. Because that's what this is. It's going to change nonstop as they just try to keep everyone guessing. Because why give out the information and help everyone behind them? So Mel says in his article, and you can find his mock draft on the dot com, he says that he's leaning towards Stroud based on what he's hearing. So that's why he's going Stroud over Bryce Young mentions there that he gets a slight edge. Stroud does over Bryce Young based on fit and that he thinks that Andy Dalton is there to guide whatever rookie they bring in. But I guess Mel Kuyper feels that that rookie is more likely to be C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young, he has going number two in his mock to the Houston Texans. So Bryce wouldn't have to wait long if Mel Kuyper's right. He had projected at one point Houston to trade up to number one. That was Mel's mock 2.0. Here he has Houston staying at number two, getting their guy in Bryce Young. And then it's where it gets really interesting because at number three, you have the Arizona Cardinals who do not need a quarterback given the contract they recently gave out to Kyler Murray. But right behind them at number four is the Indianapolis Colts. They very much need a quarterback. So what happens once we get past the Texans at two? Assuming it goes quarterback, quarterback, what's the likelihood Arizona hangs in the three spot and drafts a non-quarterback? Because there are a bunch of teams behind Indianapolis that are interested in the QB and they're not going to want to let Indianapolis get the third guy, and then they're all fighting for who's left. you got to figure that number three, if I could make any bet, it's that Arizona is not drafting number three overall when we get to the first night of the NFL draft. Which Mel has happening here as well. He has Arizona actually trading with Indianapolis, though. And I guess the only purpose Mm. of that, because if you're Indy, you're sitting there, and you're like, well, Arizona's not taking a quarterback. He has Indianapolis taking a quarterback, Will Levis, out of Kentucky. So it's like, well, you could have had Will Levis either way if you just stayed and not traded up. However, I guess it's that fear that you just said, that somebody else is going to trade with Arizona if Indianapolis doesn't. So he has the Colts going ahead, making that trade so that nobody else can. They move up to three and take Will Levis. That's a surprise probably to a lot of people because I'm not sure people would have anticipated coming off of this past season that Will Levis would be going quite that high. And then, oh, by the way, Anthony Richardson rounds out the top five here. He ends up going to the Seattle Seahawks, the quarterback out of Florida. I do love that landing spot for AR, but man, to see Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, in addition to CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in the top five, I guess that's just the price of doing business at the quarterback position. So, One thing people need to realize about Will Levis is that they see the name, they see the stats from last year, and they can't figure out why the kid's a first-round projection. People cannot seem to grasp this. Go back two years ago. Kentucky had a very good offensive line, and they had an offensive coordinator named Liam Cohen. More on him in a second. Will Levis had a phenomenal year. Phenomenal year. Big arm, fantastic season with Kentucky. One of Kentucky's best seasons in years. This past year, it didn't go so well because a lot of those offensive linemen graduated or, or left for the NFL. And Liam Cohen went back to the L.A. Rams to take over as the offensive coordinator because Kevin O'Connell, who was the Rams' offensive coordinator, took the head coaching job with the Vikings. As a result, Kentucky didn't do a great job of filling the role, and Levis got banged up. He was behind a less-than-stellar offensive line, didn't have great play calling. Well, now Liam Cohen's back at Kentucky, so whoever's up next there is in for a good ride. But the scouts like... Will Levis. So whatever 
casual fans who have watched a handful of Kentucky games think there are a lot of scouts and a lot of personnel guys that think well Will Levis has the juice to make it big in the NFL and everyone who who tries to mock him has him to the Colts it seems like that pick makes a lot of sense Richardson is the absolute wild card because everyone's high on him right now but what are the odds he could possibly slip because we see this almost every year. There's a quarterback or a player everybody talks about in the buildup, and then he just slides on draft day. Geno Smith, a lot of people were mocking first mm-hmm. or second overall. He he fell out of the first round, if you remember correctly. I do remember that. I don't think that there's four going in the top five. I really don't. I, I don't think so because of that exact reason. I have a hard time believing that Will Levis or Anthony Richardson won't fall. Maybe even Bryce Young could fall a little bit further than we think because of his size. Now, Will Levis, speaking of size, a six foot four quarterback with a huge arm. He's got the physical accolades that everybody always falls in love with. And you're right. He was a quarterback that coming out of the season before this past season, people were talking about him giving a run for his money to CJ Stroud and Bryce Young as a number one overall pick. And then they fell short this season and so he kind of fell out of the national conversation during the season but he certainly is in that conversation for scouts I know Mel Kuyper tends to really like Will Levis and so he has him going four here to Indianapolis I mean he would end up with a coach and Shane Steichen who helped Jalen Hurts take that next step so we'd see if he could do the same here with Will Levis I do think that Seattle would be a good landing spot for Anthony Richardson I think I'm coming at that from the Anthony Richardson perspective though Frank like the Florida Gator fan in me would like to see Anthony Richardson end up somewhere like that where he could sit behind Geno Smith he can learn the system but also it feels like system quarterbacks there if they fit the system end up doing well Russell Wilson looked like a totally different quarterback when he wasn't in that system any longer Geno Smith looked like a totally different quarterback in that system I feel like that bodes well for somebody who needs a lot of development like Anthony Richardson but has a ton of raw talent and the type of raw talent that Pete Carroll likes Without question, he's sitting for a couple of years. If your idea of Anthony Richardson as an NFL personnel man, head coach, general manager, is to draft him and play him in the first year, you probably don't have it figured out the way you should. Draft him, sit him behind someone, let him learn, see how he develops, go from there. There's nothing wrong with that. Only one team can win a Super Bowl every year. If you're in the AFC and you're one of the bottom feeders, chances are you're not going to be competing in year one. So go ahead and take your time and develop the quarterback. Where it gets interesting is, will Seattle have the opportunity to draft Anthony Richardson at number five? Let's assume it goes QB, QB, one, two. Arizona at three is a hot trade destination. Seattle could use a quarterback at five. The Raiders at seven. Jimmy Garoppolo's in on a three-year, $72 million deal. That doesn't strike me as franchise quarterback money. $24 million a year for a quarterback is not the, hey, you're our guy, you're the face of the franchise, you're the future type money. Most dudes now are getting $30 million, no problem. Garoppolo could be there as a caretaker if the Raiders decide to trade up and draft somebody. Atlanta at 8 says they like Desmond Ritter. Very interesting. Tennessee at 11. I know they just drafted Malik Willis last year. Is he the guy? There are some teams that are going to be very interested in possibly trading up. That number three spot with Arizona is has all the intrigue in the world right now. Unless you know that Desmond Ritter isn't it, and unless you know that when you draft your rookie from last season that he's already not it, like a Zach Wilson situation, then I think 
you go ahead and you allow that guy at least another year to evaluate him. But I do think what you said there about the Raiders is really interesting because Jimmy G, it's not that he's not capable. I mean, we've seen that man in a Super Bowl. The problem is that he's not durable. And so I don't know if he can be your plan, even if you actually believed that he was good enough to be your plan in the long run. Because of that, I could easily see the Raiders drafting a quarterback, having them sit behind Jimmy G and learning. Coming up next, Is the Lions roster better than the reigning NFC champion Eagles roster? We'll get into it. This is ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We will keep you up to date on all the happenings in Japan, USA, the World Baseball Classic, which is underway. But right now, let's sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. C.J. Gardner-Johnson signed a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions this week. He was asked why he decided Detroit was the place for him. Yeah, I look better. What? That's just on me. I mean, everybody can look from outside looking in, but this team is talent. This team, this team, we could we could win a division, like possibly win a division. Like it's everybody should feel that way. But when I look at a team coming from where I came from, all the teams I played on, won multiple divisions, been to playoff games, been to the Super Bowl. This team has what it takes to be a divisional. You know what I'm saying? Get there, win this division, get to the playoffs. But it got to start with what's your identity. Who are you? And I think that's going to start when we get back with each other on a mandatory date to kick in. We bring in our producer, James Steele. Who unpaused the screen today. So I know. I was so proud much. of you. Yeah. Right, I was, so. was going to mention off the top, but I thought I'd let you slide. But then you brought it up. I'm proud of you. Good no, job doing your forward. job. Caught a, lot of forward. Caught a lot of flack for it yesterday. Just wanted to point out that I uh, was better today. That's all you can do is every day get a little bit Just better. One, jo- 1% like better. That. 1% better. Yeah. All right. Uh, Joe, so... Uh, obviously, C.J. Gardner-Johnson coming from the Eagles, uh, signing with the Lions. Which team do you think is going to have a better 2023 season, Detroit or Philadelphia? I'd also like to address the fact that I don't think it's 1% better. It's like a fractional, like two-tenths of a percent better. But it's still oh, it's improvement. Be it's better. So you do, deserve, you do deserve that credit. That's a nice question. Who's going to have the better season? Because as we all know, as the resident Philadelphia Eagles fan around these parts, I am not very high on Philadelphia next year. They had an incredible schedule when it came to ease they didn't suffer any major injuries throughout the course of the year i know the trolls will start saying what about jalen hurts yeah he missed a couple games but when you look at games total games lost across every possible position the eagles had a phenomenal year when it came to injuries and they had a ton of talent they lost some of the talent they won't have as much luck when it comes to the injuries and the schedule is not going to be as easy that said can detroit take that next step because they have started really slow under Dan Campbell in each of the last two years. They close strong, but they start slow. I will still give the edge to Philadelphia, but this is going to be very tight because the Lions play in a very soft division, Amber. 
Well, that's really the only thing that gives me any pause because otherwise, to me, this feels like a silly conversation. Yes, the Eagles are going to take a little bit of a step back. I agree with you there. But we are talking about a team that found itself in a Super Bowl. The Detroit Lions certainly weren't that, although they inked out nine wins. I just don't feel like the Detroit Lions, although they're going to be the trendy pick, are the caliber of team that we saw the Philadelphia Eagles be, even if it took everything to align perfectly for that Eagles team. It always takes things to align perfectly, frankly, for whatever team finds itself in a Super Bowl. The divisions give me some pause, though, because I think that the Eagles are going to be better than the Lions, but I also think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be better. I mean, they should be better with some of these offseason moves. The New York Giants, arguably, you could have the expectations. I don't know if I actually think the Giants are going to be better and take a step forward, but I do think that the expectations anyways have moved forward for that Giants team. Whereas in the NFC North, with the departure of Aaron Rodgers in particular, like that path for the Lions did just get easier. I think I'll still say the Eagles to give the Eagles that respect, but I don't feel very confident about it either way. Do you believe in the curse of the Super Bowl loser? No. Okay. Okay. No. Do you? Just asking. I mean, I don't want to believe in a curse, but to be honest with you, it's, it's Super Bowl losers tend to do very poorly the following year. Very poorly well, the Bengals outside didn't of do New poorly. England. The Bengals did all right, right? But yeah. they did take a step back. But there are teams that completely fall off the face of the earth after they lose the Super Bowl. So just throwing that right. out there. Like the Rams. And yes. it, well, they won the Super Bowl. It well, after they the lost Super to the Bowl. Patriots, though. Oh, they were that's still true. good, not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I don't believe in the curse, uh, but we'll see if the curse strikes your Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, the reason that the curse probably exists is things like, you know, both coordinators leave because they get better jobs because now they're head coaches because you just want to, you know, you just found yourself in a Super Bowl. And it makes sense why you find yourselves in those situations, I guess, as the Super Bowl loser. Austin Eckler wants a contract extension. and It doesn't seem like the Chargers want to give him the money that he's asking for. Imagine that the Chargers not wanting to pay somebody. So they gave Eckler permission and try to find a trade out of Los Angeles. He talked about the process on the Greenlight podcast with Chris Long. I feel like there's no timeline on yeah. it. Like, yeah. look, man, like I'm I'm so underpaid right now yeah. as far as my contract and what I contribute to the team. It's like I am I am relentlessly pursuing this. Like yeah. I, I want to get something long term done. I want a team that wants me long term. Yeah. Right? Because look, I, I'm at the peak of my game, right? Like yeah. I'm I'm going to score you another 20 touchdowns. As long as I'm healthy, I'm going to score you 20 touchdowns. I'm going to have, you know, another 1,600 all-purpose yards. Yeah. Right? I'm getting half my value of what I could be getting. Amber, do you remember when the Chargers were going to win the – no, never mind. That's the wrong question. Uh, Amber, <laughs> what team should be all in on trying to bring in Austin Eckler? Oh, what team should be all in? Oh, goodness. Um Oh, gosh, what team should be all in? I mean, I, I'm really, really high on Austin Eckler. But in part – because, frankly, I really like Austin Eckler as a media personality. Austin Eckler's really good at coming on podcasts, doing podcasts. He's really, really, really good on air. And he's very good at being transparent as well. He's got a great personality. He is a fun dude. And boy, does he seem like he trains hard and does everything the right way in that sport. Also, 27 years old, still a ton left in the tank. I feel like he could be really valuable to a team that is a true contender, though. If you're going to spend the money on Austin Eckler, then you have to be in a position that you really think that you're an Austin Eckler piece away from winning a Super Bowl, Joe. 
Chicago would be pretty awesome having Austin Eckler there to help Justin Fields with they're the so wide far receivers. Away from it though, I mean, What's I that? guess if you want, I feel like they're too far away from their actual window of competing, though. Well, that's only if the logic is a team that's on the brink should go get Austin Eckler. Well, if that's a team's running looking, backs generally, What's that? though, I guess for me that's running backs generally. Is I'm just thinking about, about that position, and I'm thinking right. like, okay, he wants his big payday, and we don't like to do that in this sport. The only way that you could justify really doing that. At, for a 27-year-old running back on his next contract is if you feel like you're going to be able to capitalize within that window of the, you know, four-year contract. Or if you're going to be able to go to a team that has a rookie quarterback that doesn't cost a lot of money and the most salary cap space of any team in the NFL so they can afford you. True. Who wants to pay this much money for a running back? He clearly wants to get paid. I don't blame him. He's great in the passing game. He's a total dual threat who can make a lot of plays. But ultimately, the teams that are competing are competing because they have great rosters, probably because they've spent a significant amount of money addressing those rosters. Teams that have lots of money to spend on a running back are teams that probably aren't as good because they haven't spent money elsewhere. They might not have a franchise quarterback taking up $38 million, $40 million a year. They might not have a marquee defensive pass rusher taking up $25 million a year. So Chicago's one of those teams that between Chase Claypool, they just brought in DJ Moore, you bring in Austin Eckler, you draft and maybe sign another offensive lineman now you're going to know what you have in Justin Fields I don't know if Eckler's the type of guy who's going to want to go play in Chicago he's used to playing in LA the weather's nice he's indoors you go to Chicago it's going to be cold it's going to hurt a hell of a lot more when you get hit not saying he can't handle that but you know you want to get paid and you also want to think about quality of life so Chicago would be one team I'd throw out there because they definitely have the funds Vegas uh, is Eckler's home uh, he's a Vegas guy I know he lives there uh, all uh, every off season he's big into Vegas I don't know if that would appeal to the Las Vegas Raiders I think a they team... franchised uh, they franchised Josh Jacobs so I don't know That's if they're going to want to spend more money at the position but it you know having him there would definitely help that offense it certainly would uh, and so you know I could see that at least something that they should expect Explore. Uh, Tampa, the Tampa Bay Bucks, they need more weapons. They need more help in the backfield coming off of Fournette. I don't know. Uh, listen, that would give Baker some help or Kyle Trask or whoever ends up being your quarterback there. You're going to have to rely more on your backs in Tampa than you certainly did with Tom Brady at the helm. I just don't think that they can do it from a financial perspective. Austin Eckler led the NFL with 18 touchdowns, gained over 1,600 all-purpose yards last season, and, of course, played a crucial role in that Chargers offense. And now Justin Herbert loses a weapon and loses a lot of help in Austin Eckler, or so it appears, and then we're going to be wondering why Justin Herbert can't take that next step, even though we think he's great, when his team doesn't want to pay anybody around him, right? I mean... We'll see if his team even wants to cough up the money for the long-term extension. Chargers won't get it right. If there's one thing you can bank on, the Chargers will not get it right. The Chargers will charge her, as they say. And so far, it appears that they are doing that. After winning his second Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs, Andrew Wiley signed a big contract with the Washington Commanders, reuniting him with his offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Wiley joined Fitz and Harry earlier today and talked about the influence that Bieniemy had on him choosing the Commanders. For me, it was, uh, you know, uh, the Chiefs' old offensive coordinator, uh, EB, um, you know, taking the job over there um, and then really fighting for me to be a part of that program. You know, I finally got to go down there and take the visit and, and go see his office and, ha- and chat it up with him. So um, for me, it's just, you know, bringing this new energy, this new culture to this place and, and uh, you know, doing it the, you know, how EB wants to do it. It's, uh, you know, something I've been doing for a while. So I'm just happy to continue. Uh, working and, you know, especially under uh, a coach like EB. 
And uh, did I mention the Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year? Uh, so Joe, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised uh, Amber didn't yell at me for how I wrote that. I mean, Joe, I would, yeah, you're good she's point. so desensitized at this yeah. point, as am I. Good. This is Flipping. this is this is good. This is exactly where I want you. All right, Joe, <laughs> what do you expect out of the Commanders' offense this season? Their first with Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator. I mean, not a whole lot, and that's not to knock Bieniemy. It's what's the deal at quarterback? I mean, Jacoby Brissett versus Sam Howell. I like Sam Howell at North Carolina. I just don't know what to expect in Washington. They've got some weapons all the way around, but I, 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 I can't be – I'm not very high on it. I'm not very high. I want to see Biennemi succeed, but knowing that it was Andy Reid calling the plays or calling the shots and that, you know, it's, it's, it's an uphill climb with that organization. So I would say average would be the – the ceiling is what I'd set for the Washington offense. If Washington does have a good season, then B enemy will be a made man. And he should have already been a made man with all the success in Kansas city. But if he has that, if he no, I don't mean that level of success. I don't mean he needs to get to a super bowl, but if they have like a good season with Sam Howell at the helm, then that'll make Eric B enemy look amazing because I'm with you. Like who's, I don't know who the quarterback is. I don't know who the owner of that team is. I guess the Snyders have reportedly cleared all their stuff out of the facility. I don't know anything about the direction, frankly, of that team or that franchise. I don't feel good about it either. I feel like they're probably average at best, but I am interested to see what Eric Bieniemy can do with that situation. Coming up next, DeAndre Hopkins trade talks are heating up. Where will he land? What about Odell Beckham Jr.? We'll get into all of that next on Joe and Amber. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Now, I don't know if losing DeAndre Hopkins is going to help out Kyla Murray in any sort of way, but it appears that the Arizona Cardinals are willing to trade away DeAndre Hopkins. Joe, the Cardinals, I don't know what to make of that situation. DeAndre Hopkins, though, certainly a player that holds some value, a player that at one point I thought the Dallas Cowboys were going to go after. I would say that they're probably out on that now that they went after Brandon Cooks. DeAndre Hopkins, though, he may not be any longer at the very tip top of his game, but you're talking certainly about a very impactful receiver any way you cut it and somebody who would hold value in a trade for Arizona. He's going to be 31 in June, and we haven't seen a whole lot over the last two years. He had the big suspension last year. Year before that, we only saw 10 games where he caught 42 passes. That doesn't mean he's washed. That doesn't mean he can't play. But the Arizona stint didn't go well at all. That first year is pretty solid. 115 grabs, 1,400 yards, six touchdowns. There's probably a lot left in the tank. Depending on what it's going to cost you, could be a great buy-low candidate. This is, these are the market inefficiencies you have to look for if you're looking to take advantage of a salary cap situation. In baseball, it doesn't matter. Just go spend like crazy, and you're going to put yourself in a position to win. Who cares if you swing and miss? You obviously want to hit, but who cares if you swing and miss if you've got the money? The small market teams don't have that luxury. In the NFL, you've got to be efficient. And given what we've seen from Hopkins over the last two years in terms of the downturn in production, given the age, he's on the wrong side of 30, which doesn't mean as much anymore, and given the suspension he had last season, it's possible a lot of teams will look at that and say, nah, we don't want it in the locker room. That is where you might be able to strike gold. You might be able to find a market inefficiency there. A great player who's being undervalued because of a couple bad years. So he's one of the more intriguing guys out there. Maybe, maybe the reason for everything was Arizona. And I mean, how hard of that is it to believe that Arizona could have been the problem with DeAndre Hopkins there? I mean, 
they're not a well-run franchise. And I think that's a really nice way of me putting it, Amber. That is a nice way. Of, well, I mean, it wasn't very nice to say they're not well-run, I guess. Uh, but it was a mild way. I didn't say dumpster fire. It was a mild way of you putting it. Because, yes, they have been a dumpster fire uh, of a franchise. See, now that's just rude. Late. And it's the reality of the situation. I do wonder, though, like when we talk about quarterbacks like Kyler Murray that seem to have a lot of talent, but obviously a lot of questions as well. Like what does happen when you take away potential key weapons? And yes, you mentioned the last couple of years, not so impactful. He had the six game suspension this past season coming off of that. He had 64 receptions, 717 yards, three touchdowns. That was after serving that six game suspension. So still decently impactful. When again, you're talking about him working with a quarterback that has a lot of questions there in Arizona. If you trade him away, I I just wonder what's the purpose unless you're getting something decent back. And I don't know how much decent you're going to get because it's not just the suspension that was so significant, but also the injuries over the last couple seasons as well has really cost him where he doesn't look quite like the same player. He's not the same dude who had three all row nods in a row, which is what DeAndre Hopkins once was. He also has a current cap hit of 30.8 million. Now from what I'm seeing, from Ian Rappaport and others that he would restructure that cap hit oh, when he's yeah. being shopped. So that would certainly have to be part of it. So you would imagine that he wants out of Arizona. You would imagine that maybe he sees an opportunity here where I can start start anew. I can kind of leave that last few years that have been rocky behind me. Maybe I can also chalk it up to Arizona and I can go somewhere fresh. And so you'd be more willing, of course, to restructure your contract and help facilitate a trade for you. Yeah, that's what the market inefficiency I'm talking about. That's the best possible chance. If you're Arizona, look at how poorly you built this thing. You went out and spent all the money on the quarterback without putting anything around him. No infrastructure. You're going to give away one of the only weapons you've got. I mean, I know you brought in Hollywood Brown last year, but all the way around, a very odd way to go about building a team. You know, get a young quarterback, build around him. When things go well, pay the quarterback. Don't pay the quarterback and then start the rebuild. It makes no sense, but that's where they are, and that's why a team like the Chiefs is in a completely different situation. So, again, as you're reevaluating it, Hopkins is going to want to get paid, but he might be one of these guys that has to go out there, restructure, take a cheap prove-it deal, and then go back out on the market in the very near future trying to find a bigger payday because right now that's what C.J. Cardner-Johnson was trying to do. He wanted to get paid. Philly wasn't offering him that. They offered him three years, but it was backloaded in the final year. He didn't want to do that, so he went to Detroit. He took a one-year prove-it deal. I think it's around $8 million. Go have a big year with Detroit, then you can go get your big payday. Sometimes it's better to take that one small step forward rather than lock yourself into something you're going to be upset with if you end up playing very well. Yeah, I think D-Hop is going to have to probably sign some sort of prove-it deal. But in terms of paying the quarterback like they did with Kyler, if you're going to make the decision to pay the quarterback, then at least keep weapons around him or put weapons around him like I'm not looking at Kyler Murray like he's in a position to succeed in fairness to Kyler and Kyler is going to take all the heat for that because they did pay him and we're probably going to be hypercritical of Kyler Murray here over the next couple seasons and the truth is with the departure of D-Hop like he does not have much around him at all OBJ let's talk about him real quick talking about a guy who might have to take a bit of a prove-it deal and a guy coming off of injuries apparently OBJ landing spots the talks are heating up there are reports that he's spoken to the Jets we know he was on the Aaron Rodgers wish list there Joe OBJ hasn't had a good season since 2016 Woo! right like 2016 he caught 101 passes for 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns 
After that, it was 302 yards. Then he had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, one with New York, one with Cleveland, which was okay. And then after that, it was 23 catches in seven games. And then he played on two teams in 2021, Cleveland and the Rams. And I know he played pretty well with the Rams, but his best days, what people remember him for early on, that is not the guy that's still there. If you're looking at him to be your number one guy, you're looking in the wrong spot. He certainly had some contributions there in that Rams run. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Speaking of contributions and things heating up, things are heating up in the World Baseball Classic. I'll tell you about that next. Plus, the Grizzlies expect John Morant to play on Wednesday night. Is it too soon? We'll get into all that and more. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. 